This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio this morning, my co-host, Naz Marchese, and uh, joining us as a guest this morning once again, Lou Franceschetti. Lou, of course, former uh, Buffalo Sabre, former Washington Capital, and my preference to remember him as a former Toronto Maple Leaf. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Good morning, Lou. How are you, sir? Doing really well, Mr. Regabone. How are you today? Hey, hey, Louis, there's a guy wearing 15 on the lease right now. He looks like you. He does look like me. He plays <laughs> yeah, a little bit like, like me, except yeah, he doesn't except, have my except, hands. Except he can fight and you can't. And I can score and he can't. <laughs> so which way do you go there, okay? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, never a dull moment with you I, I, in, I, I, in I, I, studio, Francesca. And he's a good friend, too. I play golf with him every, uh, can, every can August you, 1st. In can, the you illuminate, can you illuminate the listeners, perhaps, who this, I just this number 15 might be? 15. Who's well, 15, it, It's Matty Martin. Okay. Matty Martin. The short-haired Matt Martin. Anyway, so uh, th- thanks, Naz, for pointing that out. Uh, it's going to be an exciting show. I just want to tell our listeners who's up today. We've got, uh, of course, the NHL season starts this week, and the Leafs' first game is against Ottawa on Wednesday night. And we have Michael Trakos, the senior hockey writer for Post- the Post Media Network. Uh, he'll be on the with us at 9.15. And we're thrilled to have with us in the middle of the hour, Dave Perkins, a former Toronto Star sports columnist and the writer of a, uh, of a fantastic new book, Fun and Games, My 40 Years Writing Sports. Uh, was flipping through it last night, and uh, Dave Perkins, uh, uh, some fantastic stories, and we're thrilled to have him on the air with us uh, in the middle of the show to share some of those fascinating stories with us. Before we get to business, Naz, I am... I usually, I usually, at this point of the broadcast, illuminate our listeners in terms of what your wardrobe is, uh, and uh, you're wearing your Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, Toronto uh, Maple Leaf, Buffalo Bills, and Toronto Blue Jays. Okay, and I am wearing what this morning? Toronto has? Maple Leafs, Dave Keon jersey. And I am proclaiming this, Dave Keon week in Toronto, um, uh, other Dave Keon will be immortalized at the Air Canada Centre on Thursday afternoon at 5.30. Uh, his bronze statue will be unveiled. Uh, Naz and I will certainly be there. Uh, Dave Keon, um, we've talked on the show and we had a tribute with him in studio earlier in the year. The, uh, the night, uh, did the morning after he was uh, at the ACC uh, ceremonies back in January and we're thrilled to death. So I'm proclaiming this. Dave Keon week in Toronto. Anyways, the important topic at hand, uh, uh, of course, the NHL starting, but the Blue Jays. Um, a week ago, uh, did we really think we'd be where we're at today? Um, and I'll put it out there. Um, this is the finest week of managing in John Gibbons' career. 
comments. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's John Gibbons managing or Buck Showalter's miscue. You want of not putting ja, uh, Zach Britton in uh, on the I think it was the bottom of the eleventh. Uh, I know he came in with the lefty to take out Cabrera, uh, but I, I I really don't know why. And he's going to be questioned, and I understand why he did it. You know there was, there, uh, but anyways, it's uh, yeah. I'm going to go over to you, Nez. I mean, I'm I'm going to make the comment. Okay, Showalter, I agree. Um, he got he got severely criticized for how he yeah, managed he that. He should have brought. Britain but in. Let, let's let's give let's give some credit where credit is due. We've been we've been. Critical of John Gibbons in the past on this show, um, especially me. <laughs> yeah, we we all have, and uh, but sometimes you do have to give credit where credit is due. And uh, should we be uh, should we be complimenting John Gibbons for the week that he's had? Yeah, I think he should. I think he's done a great job. I mean, every move he's made has paid off. I mean, well, how can you how much can you complain? You can't complain. But we said this on the show last week and in, in the weeks before that the Jays had not had a winning streak. All season long, a long winning streak like they did two years ago or last year. They won 11 games in a row twice. They hadn't had one of those uh, winning streaks. You know what? They're probably in the midst of one right now. They, well, could, they, could, they could go pretty far here. Keep dreaming. No, I don't think so, Louie. Okay, Du, uh, you want to you take that thought a little bit further? Well, I, I, look, everybody was expecting the big blowout series against Texas. Uh, with all the hoopla going on with uh, Batista and uh, Odor, Odor it, it was a situation where this series is going to be closely watched. Nothing has happened. It's just like a National Hockey League. You have a big brawl. There's a lot of hoopla about one game. You bring the whole National Hockey League office over to the next game, making sure that, that nothing happens. And they play like small little kittens. It's just a situation where right now, and I, I kudos to the Jays because they're playing really well. <laughs> That's a good one, Luz. They play like small little kittens. Uh, what, what does that mean in a, it, base, it just means in they're, a baseball they're, context? You know what? They're, they're playing. Like, what do you expect the baseball player? Baseball's not about barroom brawls and all these all this craziness craziness you see in baseball nowadays uh you know the well it could have been against texas and toronto that's what i'm that's what i'm just saying it's just that i think texas as much as toronto is playing well i think texas is beating themselves because there's so much hoopla about this certain incident or the incident that happened last year with the bat flip and it's the start of this year that they've more or less they've got they're worried about things that that shouldn't they shouldn't have to worry and the Jays have come in and been professional about it. Let's play the game and let our bats do the talking. They've been outpitched. I'm talking about Texas has been up has been outpitched. They've been outhit, and they've been outplayed completely. Yeah, they, they, they were outhit. They've been outhit. They outhit the Jays in game, game two, two, 13 to six. They stranded 13 runners how about on the, base. How about game one. Well, game one, obviously yeah. the Jays outperformed and outplayed them. There's no question yeah. about that. But the Jays didn't. And Jays were timely in game two. Got the right, um, got the outs when they needed them. And a tremendous job by Osuna at the end. I mean, let's and, give and, the, let's yeah, give yeah, the but kid Darvish credit. Darvish and Hamels came into that series, right? They were ERA was between six and seven for both of them in the month of September. So yeah. they weren't pitching well, Texas. They no, and, and, and Darvish gave and up the Darvish four. Darvish looked uh, terrible. Gave up the horn, he looked absolutely runs. terrible. And the, the Jays are going to win this because even if they got to come back with either Hamels or Darish if they somehow win, but I think it's going to end tonight. Well, and, we hope it ends tonight. Yeah. I mean, we've got Sanchez. You, you got know, your ace on the mound. The thing is, Toronto will have trouble if it's Cleveland 
because Cleveland plays similarly to Kansas City. They have the same type of lineup. They have switch hitters. They move the base runners. They do a lot of things that Kansas City did last year. So the Jays uh, will, have a will have difficulty with them. Cleveland's got good start in pitching. Cleveland's got speed. Cleveland's got power. And Cleveland's got a bullpen. That's why I, I agree with you that they will. That Cleveland will give them a lot tougher time than than Boston will in the next series. Yeah, Boston's Again, done. You got to remember also last year, uh, Toronto did go into Texas down 0-2, and they ended up beating them uh, in the next three games. So uh, let's play the game up because f- baseball is a funny game. <laughs> no question uh, about that. But uh, uh, I hope we're not getting ahead of ourselves here. I mean, Texas is Texas is a good team. Uh, and uh, they're capable of well, coming. They back. lack some things on their in their starting lineup. Yeah. You know, they've got a shortstop playing center field. Like, I mean, you know, they're not all that. Yeah, uh, but he's been there whole year. Yeah, but the depth is not there like the Jays. The Jays have depth. They have depth all over the place. And you got to give credit to Tulowitzki. That guy so is te- taking the team. Texas is, on the, is the number one seed in the American League, but they're 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 a take flawed a look, team. Yeah, but take a look at their schedule. The Jays have to play all American League East teams, the Yankees, the Red Sox, Baltimore. Angels are there. Oakland A's are there. Look at their schedules. Naz, I'm agreeing with you. I'm not, uh, you know, you look at the two divisions. We're talking about the the monster in the the, East and you got the the weak sister in the West, right? Did the planet Earth just wobble on its axis? (laughs) Naz and Lou just agreed on something. What happened, guys? You guys, what was it? Uh, Thanksgiving Day weekend? What's wrong with you guys? I I didn't bring you two guys in here to agree with each other. It was my compliment on his Matt Martin's leaf sweater. What's going on? Anyways, Jays, Indians, it's certainly Seems to, and don't count the Red Sox out, by the way, but certainly seems uh, to be going that way. But it's fascinating because Jays Indians, and we've got the Indians management uh, one year removed. That, that's that's a, that's going to be a fascinating sidebar to that series. And uh, we don't talk much about the na- the National League, but uh, certainly at the beginning of the year, I was calling for a Jays Jays Cubs World Series, and we may be headed that way. Nas, yeah, you did call that. Uh, you did. Uh, the Cubs look good. I mean, in the National League. Let's see what happens if they get over to the American League. Now, the Dodgers can throw some pitchers at them, too. So, you know, it's all about starting pitching. And you look at the the first game, it was a one nothing game. Well, you know what? I, I, I love watching the National League because that's the way baseball is supposed to be played. And because there's so much strategy towards it. And it's two completely different leagues. I know the American League is going to have the extra game in, in the World Series. So they're going to have – the National League is going to have to adjust to the American League. But the American League is going to have to adjust the National League too on when the change and and uh, substitution and all that. The Cubs look great. The Dodgers look, you know, they got the starting pitching. They also have the hitting. But I'm not going to count out the, the Nationals, and I'm not counting out the the who they play, San Francisco, because San Francisco's won it every well, second year. Well, you got a you got a guy you, like guy like Baumgartner you can throw out there, uh, and he's going out in Game Three. You're always a threat. Anyways, we've got a lot of business to take care of. Uh, we've got Michael Trakos coming on after the break, and we've got Dave Keon. Uh, sorry, Dave Keon, Dave Perkins in the. Uh, I got one track mine on on my self proclaimed Dave Keon week. We've got Dave Perkins in the middle of the hour. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams or special ops units. Go, 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 go! Everybody down! 
So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And once again, if you're listening in downtown Toronto, you can also tune us in on 96.7 FM. We're, we're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour the senior hockey writer for Post Media Network. The Nash, you can find him at the National Post and the Toronto Sun and numerous other papers across the country. We're of course, talking about Michael Trakos. Michael, good morning. How are you this morning? Hey, good morning, boys. I'm doing fine. Hope everyone's uh, doing all right. Kind of gearing up for the Jays game tonight. We're gearing up. We're certainly hockey today, but we're going to talk a bit of hockey. We've just finished talking baseball, so I just want to forewarn you: uh, the usual crews here this morning uh, with one addition. Of course, it's Wally and Naz, and of course, uh, your good friend Lou Franceschetti. I better warn you, Michael. Lou's a bit ornery this morning, so uh... So, so nothing's changed, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I bring to the game. There you go. Yeah, he's uh, he's it's, it's always consistent here. He's the same in the studio as he was uh, in between the boards. Uh, <laughs> Bring those six foot four he, guys he, down to my size. He keeps his <laughs> elbows up. Anyways, Michael, uh, I can only say that the hockey's starting. Uh, well, the NHL hockey, anyways, uh, this week, and um, uh, there's I wouldn't say a buzz, but. Uh, uh, certainly when the Blue Jays are finished, people will turn their attention to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, 
Uh, we're expecting something different uh, this year. Um, your early assessment of what we can expect from the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of who we may and may not see in the uh, starting day lineup. Well, it's funny. I'll, I'll, going ahead to this Leaf season, I, I don't know if you guys get the same feeling, but uh, it's it's a more there's a lot of optimism this year, and yet I think at the end of the day, just because of all the the young guys that are getting in the lineup, like Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander and those kind of players, but end of the day, I think this is still going to be a season where the team finishes up close to where they finished last season. Um, I think this is still a bottom five team, and yet in saying that, I think a lot of people are happy with what they see so far. Um, you're asking who who might make that final lineup. I think it's still going to be very youth-driven. Um, I think guys like Nylander, guys like Marner, and obviously Matthews, they're going to get their um, spots in the roster, and they're going to get a chance to earn that ice time, uh, which is a good sign um, in the sense that that's the future of the team. But you know you're going to take your lumps, and I think we're seeing it already in preseason. I know preseason is not an indicator, but when they play that Montreal Canadiens team or when they play the Red Wings, there's still a lot of things that this team isn't doing um, that's going to lead to uh, a lot of wins every night. Michael Anderson in that uh does not look good in the two games he played in the preseason last night and the night and the other night in Montreal. Are we going to see another poor goalie come to Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was talking about optimism, and then you're throwing down the hammer. You know? <laughs> Naz, you just well, burst my bubble. I mean, uh... No, the goaltending <laughs> hasn't been good. No, and you know what? We've seen this all over the place. Like It's easy to be Martin Jones and to go from Los Angeles to San Jose because you're not – um, suffering a downgrade in terms of the team in front of you. It's tougher to be the Cam Talbot where you're going from uh, the Rangers to the Oilers or a Jonathan Bernier or, you know, I don't even want to mention the name, but I'll say Vesta Toskala. Oh, uh, there it is. <laughs> those kind of situations are tough. And I think Frederick Anderson is going to go through a similar kind of learning curve or culture shock, I and mean, maybe he's already going through that right now. This isn't the Anaheim Ducks. And the Anaheim Ducks were perfect, but they're a lot better than what the Toronto Maple Leafs are today. So, you know, you're expecting a guy who had the lowest goals against average as a tandem last season to go into a situation now where he's got Frankie Corrado, he's got Mark Marinson, he's got Hunwick, he's got O'Reilly who's good but doesn't have a whole lot um, with him uh, and playing in front of him. So he's going to have to stand on his head. And right now it looks like that might be a little too much to ask for one guy. Michael, um if three guys, uh, these three names, have they done enough for them to stick uh, on the starting roster? Uh, Corrado, Josh Levo, and uh, Peter Holland? Maybe one out of three. <laughs> I like Corrado. I actually, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, I think one of those, I think either Corrado or a Carrick is going to be your, probably your seventh defenseman, um, which is fine. I think you're, you're going to see a lot of rotation there where guys are going to be challenging for ice time and challenging for jobs. Uh, for Levo, no. And just talking with Babcock the other day, he seemed a little bit frustrated with uh, Levo's injuries. I don't know if there's something underlying there. Maybe he came into camp, and uh, I, I don't want to speculate, but um, something was kind of brewing behind the surface, whether it was fitness test or just the fact that this guy wasn't keeping himself in tip-top uh, shape with regards to an injury because um, it wasn't, oh, Josh Levo has been kind of banged up, and we kind of feel for him. It was hey, uh, something's wrong here. It's not our fault that he came into camp like this. So read between the lines for whatever you will, but it doesn't look like he's in the coach's good graces right now. A guy like Peter Holland, 
I don't know. He's a tweener to me. He seems like a guy that still thinks he can probably be a top nine forward and a scoring option. And yet, when you look at what he's done in his career so far, and granted, he's still fairly young, uh, it looks like if he's going to make hay in this NHL, it's going to be as a fourth line guy. And I don't know if he's got that buy uh, that buy in right now where he's playing that energy line type of mentality. Um, it took guy like John Mitchell years ago. Um, it took him a while to kind of figure that out, and it took him a trade to kind of figure it out where it was either, you know, buy into this or you're going to be in the minors. So I wonder if Holland's still kind of figuring that part out because while he scored some goals in preseason, I don't think that's going to be his future in, in the NHL. So it's going to be difficult for those guys. you got a lot of young players kind of coming up already, and it's going to be, you know, you're fighting tooth and nail uh, year after year to kind of fight and keep your job right now. Uh, Colin Greening is still under contract to the Leafs, and I, th- I think he carries a hefty salary. Does he go on waivers, Michael? Yeah, that's an option. I haven't really thought too much about Colin Greening. Um, he's a guy that I think is still, um, he knows kind of what it takes to be a professional NHLer, and those guys are kind of valuable, especially when you have a young team around. Uh, at the same time, yeah, there was a reason why he couldn't even make the Ottawa Senators roster last year, and that basically when the Leafs picked him up in that Dion trade, he was a guy that I'd been playing in Binghamton for most of the season. So um, he seems like he's a waiver option. Um, maybe even a, I don't know if he's a buyout option, but it's going to be difficult. Like the Leafs really, I think to their benefit, they're keeping a lot of these guys around just for that internal competition. You, you want guys like Marner and Nylander and Soshnikov when he gets healthy and Hyman. You, you want these guys to have some competition. You don't want them just to kind of say, okay, well, we're penciling you in for a spot on the second line or third line or fourth line, and basically it's your job. There's no one else fighting there. So you got a couple guys who are professional NHLers like Greening, uh, like Holland, um, even Mahalik, guys there that are really going to push these young guys to fight for their ice time. Michael, they, uh, I guess with Corrado, you get a little bit more of a defensive style, and uh, Connor Carricker getting a little bit more offense, as his stats show in the, in the Marlies. Is this team big enough? I, I looked down the roster, and they are quite small, uh, other than Matt Martin, who plays a big man's game, and probably Greening. They really don't have much physicality uh, all over the whole lineup. Yeah, I don't know if that's really Babcock's MO. Like, did those Red Wings team have a whole lot of physicality when he was coaching there? I don't know if that's really what he's out to get. Like, he's got a guy like Komarov who's going to play uh, a real pesky kind of role. He's got JVR who's got size, although he doesn't really use it. And I don't know if that's really what Babcock's really concerned about. I know he talks a lot about compete, and that's a kind of buzzword in the NHL right now, but I think he just wants guys to just play hard, and that's where you're going to get your kind of size from is just kind of that mentality. And Hyman's a guy that can play that way. Now, as we've seen... Uh, plays that style, but whether or not you need just big hulking guys who are just going to bang uh, and put guys through the walls, I don't, I don't know if you necessarily need that even in today's NHL. Like, look at how Pittsburgh um, did their business and won the Cup. They had no guys like that. Um, basically, their most effective line, the reason why it was so intimidating was just how fast they were and how skilled they were. So um, maybe you can get away with it. Are you comparing Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, uh, and Latang with the players that the Leafs have? Hey, one day maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe right. one day, but you not know, right now. I don't. Well, again, no, the, the jury's a, still going to be out on that. Point. There's a starting point, yeah. right? And you know what? I'll say Morgan Riley grows up into the defenseman that Chris Latang is uh, right now. I, Matthews has given all indications that really there is no kind of ceiling on his potential, and we've seen what Nylander and Martyr can do at the junior level. So. 
Um, yeah, like uh, obviously today they're not the Penguins, and not they don't match skill for skill with those guys. But I think if you're talking about long-term potential, this team has got uh, all the pieces really that you need to be a Stanley Cup contender. It's a matter of just kind of watching these guys grow, making sure they develop the right way, and making sure that they have the complementary pieces to get it done. It's just going to be a lot of time and patience. That's all. Oh, and, and, and we know that, right? And that's why I said, like, this year is going to be a difficult year in terms of where they're going to finish in the standings. But I think you're going to see night after night um, glimpses of what the future is going to hold. And one night you might lose 4-3, but then Matthews has two goals and an assist. And you're saying, wow, uh, Leafs lost last night, but what a game by Matthews. Or same thing with Nylander and Marner. They're going to do things one shift that's going to amaze you, and the next shift they're going to get burned and be a minus one. So... Uh, you're going to take your lumps, but I think there's still going to be enough positives there where if you're a Leaf fan, you're going to go away happy just kind of looking saying, okay, give it another couple of years, let these guys mature, um, let, them, let them round up their games. And I think that's the biggest thing is not all of them have complete games right now. There's parts of the game that you like, maybe offensively or with a certain skill set, but just all around it's not there, and it's going to get there. It's just, like you said, you're going to have to wait a bit. Babcock seems to be holding Morgan Riley back, even in the preseason. Uh, he has not played the power play on either the first or second unit in each of the two games I watched. They had Saitsev and Gardner as the two defensemen. They play a fourth forward, fourth forward on the power play. That's what Babcock likes to do. I'm just wondering think, if he's trying. smart. <laughs> What's that? I think that's smart holding Morgan Riley back. Like, let's be honest. Morgan Riley is the closest thing to a number one defenseman right now, and Theoretically, he could play in all situations if you wanted him to. And then on the same time, he's still finding his full game. So you put him in power play, you put him on penalty kill, you put him in top pairing situations, and you're going to burn the kid out. And it's going to be a little bit too much to handle. We know he can play the power play. That, that's a given. Um, he's got a skill set where playing the power play, he can do that basically with his eyes closed. Let's see if he can play on the penalty kill in an effective way this year. And I think by just kind of limiting his situational lifetime, uh, you're going to get a better uh, player out of it rather than if you put him in all those situations and you got him playing 25, 26 minutes a night, you're going to kill the poor kid. and He's just going to be toast by the time he even gets on that power play. We're talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, of course, is a senior hockey writer for Post Media Network, and you can find him locally in the National Post and the Toronto Sun and in numerous other newspapers across the country. I highly recommend our listeners. Uh, he's one of Canada's great hockey writers, most astute hockey writers. Uh, Michael, we won't keep you much longer. I just have. I just want to take you to one completely different place, and uh, just please explain it to me because I don't understand it. Uh, Peter Shirelli, what's he doing? <laughs> please explain Which, explain to me he takes a couple of okay let's let's talk about the let, let, right I'll, I'll get I'll get more specific with you Michael we'll talk about his last move nail Yakupov for the proverbial bag of pucks uh, Taylor Hall for what I consider a lesser talent and if you want to go back to Tyler Sagan you can go back that far but let's talk nail Explain to me how this Nail Yakupov move makes any sense whatsoever, please. It does not make any sense. If you're only going to get a conditional third round, or what is it, a third round pick that can turn into a second if Yakupov scores 15 goals, and you got another guy who I think is deemed a prospect, and yet the Hockey News didn't have him on his team top 10 prospect list, and I think he was playing in the ECHL last time we checked, so... That's not even say that's not even a player I think they're going to ever see in the NHL at some point. So 
why Neil Yakupov, um, if he is worth so little, why the heck would you trade him? Like, why not just take your lumps, hopefully, uh, once the team gets good and he gets surrounded with um, a winning kind of system, maybe he can produce 10 to 15 goals. And if that's, if that's all you're going to get from him, that's still better than, I don't know, what salary cap space you're really freeing up there. So this is a team that's not even in cap hell or anything. So it doesn't make sense. The Taylor Hall one I can kind of see because you know, Adam Larson is 23 years old. He's a defenseman um, who's still got a lot to give. Um, still hasn't even found his peak yet, um, and that's a that's a, definitely a team need that we've noticed in Edmonton for many many years. So fine, I can live with that one. But oh, Peter Shirelli now he's traded four like top five picks in the last like four years now. When you look, or even five years, I guess when you look back to like what Phil Kessel got traded, Tyler Sagan. You mentioned Taylor Hall. You mentioned now you now Yakupov. Like this guy is just not um, not afraid to swing for the fences. And you know what? Maybe this is kind of what Edmonton needed. I don't agree with these trades in a whole sense, but I did agree that Edmonton, whatever they're doing, wasn't working, and they needed a definite shakeup in the dressing room as well as on the ice. So maybe this is the kind of thing where we look back and say, you know what, Peter Shirelli made a couple mistakes in these trades, but in the long run, this is a different Oilers team, and because of that, this is a winning Oilers team. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't. I, right now, it's just. It, it's almost, I don't say moronic, but um, you're looking at what they get for a guy who's a first-round pick. You figure, if anything, St. Louis is just going it, it, to, no, it's a no-lose situation for them. Like, if Yakupov plays well and you look like he's got the steal of the century, and if he doesn't, whatever, he goes to the KHL at the nothing. end of the year and you lose nothing. Michael, we have to move on. Listen, uh, we, we really appreciate uh, you taking your time for us on a Sunday morning and sharing your in- NHL and hockey insights. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, keep well and uh, enjoy the NHL season. All right, thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and uh, thanks again for having me on. Thank you. Thanks. That, of course, thanks, was Michael. My, that, of course, was Michael Trakos. Uh, he really is one of Canada's... Uh, 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 really great hockey writers right now. You can find them in the National Post and the Toronto Sun and, like I said, in numerous other newspapers across the country. We're going to break. We'll be right back after the break with uh, Dave Perkins, former Toronto Star sports columnist. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the pepperoni party pizza special. Get 24 slices for just $24. Can you eat it all? In just 24 hours, 24 square slices smothered in pepperoni. You've also got to deal with six bottles of Pepsi. 24 plus six Pepsi for 24. Can you finish it? Go to pizzaville.ca for details. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, 
on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We are still trying to connect with Dave Perkins, so hopefully we'll have him on the air fairly shortly. And just before we went to break, we were talking to Michael Trakos about uh, some of the uh, moves made by Peter Shirelli out in Edmonton, and uh, you, it was a pretty heated discussion during the break, uh, Lou. Uh, you want to uh, you want to tell us why you think uh, Shirelli's, uh, Shirelli's a genius? Tell us. Well, I'm not telling you he's a genius. The, the moves that he made had to be made. Uh, you look at Phil Kessel, who was the top-rated player come out of, coming out that year. Uh, he got drafted fifth overall because he had uh, other issues. Uh, I talked to Jeff Ward the year that they uh, after they. His, after Kessel's first year, and I asked him, why are you guys sitting out Phil Kessel as, as a healthy scratch? And he went into a lengthy discussion with me about off-ice problems. And then the, the Tyler yeah, Sagan Let's thing. talk about that, off-ice problems. We're talking about what? At that, How old was he at that age? 18, 19, coming out of the first okay. year out of Wisconsin. Okay. Um, you got 18, 19-year-old with off-ice problems, whatever that means, okay? Uh, whatever that means, Okay. And uh, nobody knows what that means because it's never been publicly reported. But when I can tell, Phil Kessel always performed when he was out on the ice. Well, yeah. So, when... so you got an 18 or 19 year old, and I've had this issue with, you know, with, and it's not just a hockey issue. Like, any, like we get ahead of ourselves. You know, you throw, you throw millions and millions of dollars. Uh, at an 18-9-year-old, like in the NHL, maybe they're on their entry. Maybe they're, they're, they're getting a lot of money, and you're an 18, 19-year-old. And, of course, they need, they need an opportunity to mature. But the one thing that can happen, you can change somebody's behavior. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to change somebody's skill set. Either you've got that world-class talent or you don't. So you've got a world-class player on your team, be he 18 or 19 years old, rather than dumping him, don't you work on his maturity? Don't you mentor him? Don't you educate him? Like, like you just throw him to the wolves and say, okay, he's, he's, an, he's an NHL athlete. He's making a million dollars. He's a man. We expect certain standards of behavior from him. Come on, Lou. No, hey, listen. Tell I, me I'm I, wrong. I, I, 
You are wrong. Why? Only, only because Why? You, you get drafted into certain organizations. You're 18 and, years yeah, but you old. Some certain organizations don't take that crap. Okay. Okay? You go into the Boston situation where, where but he But you're was, 18 years old. You're a world. Tyler Sagan. Okay? Well, look Another, at the, they no, got rid of him, let's, let's go to Tyler Sagan here. Okay. One, what Kessel did. Well, nobody knows what Kessel did, and Kessel's always had a history of, of not taking he good care of himself. He almost won the Smythe last, last spring. Well, he probably should have won yeah, because he's only with Pittsburgh. Now, okay. you, get so an oppor- hey, you get an yeah. opportunity to trade a Phil Kessel, and you get a Tyler Sagan. So you're, you're going into that same situation again. You, you get Tyler Sagan in return for a guy who never they takes never, good but No, himself. when they traded Kessel, they had no idea they were going to get Tyler Sagan. Okay, he was the number two pick overall. Brian Burke, if he had a thought he was trading the number two pick, he would have never made that deal. You know that, but he did. Okay. It's, it's just like Toronto yeah, in 1990. When they asked Brian Burke the question, "What did you think you were trading away?" He thought he was trading away the, between the number six and the number eight pick that year for Phil Kessel. And okay. back in 1990 or '89, did we think we were going to trade a uh, second? A first-round pick. For when with the Niedermeyer? For, for Niedermeyer? For, for that we didn't guy? think that. No. no. And it could that have been, was another it, it bonehead could move. Have been a, another it, bonehead it, move. Yeah, okay? but you play for the moment. Or yeah. you, you make the I, trade I just, for the go, moment. Going back to my original and point. And it's not only Kessel my, my Sagan goal, that he got. When you, you've drafted, okay, Tyler Sagan. Let's forget about Kessel for a second. Tyler Sagan, number two pick overall. As it turned out, it looks like he's he was the best player out of that draft year. Okay? Uh you I don't a, think Phil Shirelli uh, made that deal. Who? I don't think Shirelli made that deal. That came from up above. Okay. Then we, okay, okay. Then I'll accept your point, but for purposes of the discussion, I'll, I'll turn it into a general equation: is you don't trade your young talent. Okay, we won't blame Shirelli for that one. You don't trade your young talent, 18, 19, 20 years old, because you think they they they've got some behavioral problem. You work, you work with them. And uh, you work on their maturity, and uh, and uh, and and they become like you know an upstanding citizen for you. See, it's over completely time. two different cases. Tyler Sagan would never have reached his potential playing out on the wing in Boston, and he wasn't. They had to move one of the three centermen. Okay, Lou, chose... I'm going to have to interrupt you. <laughs> okay. Our producer, have we got Dave Perkins on the line? Dave Perkins, the former Toronto Star sports columnist and writer of a fantastic new book. <laughs> Fun and games, my 40 years writing sports. You can pick that book up now. I actually uh, picked it up on uh, in the Kindle format last night, Dave, and uh, absorbed as much as I possibly could prior to this interview, but you can find it at all good bookstores, Amazon, Indigo, Chapters. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure having you, Dave. And uh, um, tell us, where'd you get the idea for the book? Well, it, to state you know, the obvious. Well, I've been carting these stories around in my head for years and years, and you know, I tell them to friends, and I tell them, that, you know, when I play golf and things like that. And people always said, "Oh, you should write a book," and I always said, nah, "I don't think anybody'd be interested." So uh, I, I kind of resisted the temptation, and then uh, I had some health issues a couple of years ago, and I. My rehab wasn't going too good last summer, and uh, you know the guy wouldn't even let me play. The doctors wouldn't even let me play golf. So I thought, uh, gee, I need something to do. So uh, I'd had, you know, kind of offers over the years to just sit down and write all these stories you tell, and uh, and I'd always resisted them, but I 
for something to do last summer. I uh, I had another offer, so I said, oh, hell, I'll do it. So I just sat down and started writing. Dave, uh, the Jays are on the forefront, and there's uh, lots of uh, stuff on you, on the Blue Jays in your book. Uh, one one thing I noticed that you quoted, you said, uh, if if I need if I wanted anybody of the Blue Jays to drive in a run when a guy's on second base, you said Paul Molitor, George Bell, and Jose Bautista. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I covered the Blue Jays for a long, long time. I started full time on them and. In '87, uh, well, I actually started with them in '85, but but uh, I saw a lot of games, a lot of uh, a lot of guys come through uh, late late in the game, and uh, those three guys seem to stick out to me. I mean, nobody does it all the time, but those three guys always seem to stand out to me as uh, kind of dangerous guys who'd, who'd uh, you know come up with a big hit. Uh, I know the the numbers nerds insist that nobody does this uh, that there's no such thing as clutch and everything but i never bought that i it seemed to me the same guys always seem to get the big hits so uh and those were three of the guys that uh i'd seen over the last you know 30 odd years who seemed to get the most of them yeah we're talking to dave perkins dave uh, you covered 58 majors 10 olympic games 14 world series 12 super bowls you've seen it all Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It does sound like a lot, but uh, when, they, when it says, uh, I always say fifty-eight majors. Then I say, wait a minute, they only come four a year. <laughs> that, that, that makes me kind of old. Well, you're you're still young at heart, my friend. Uh, yeah. uh, certainly, um, you've had an incredible career. Uh, you've seen it all. Um, who's your favorite athlete that you ever came across? Mm, I. I don't know. My favorite, what do you mean? In terms of personality, in terms of demeanor, in terms of uh, uh, character. Um, I mean, I know, I know the, one, the one thing I always loved about you, Dave, you never pulled any punches. And if, uh, if, you, if you wanted to be critical, you always were. And uh, you've got some strong opinions. Uh, well, I did, but I always tried to show up the next day. That was <laughs> who's you your favorite? A lot fa- of guys that- don't. A lot of guys take a run at somebody, and uh, you know they do it when they're leaving town or something. But I always tried to show up the next day, and you know, walk over to a guy and say hello. And if he had something to say, let him say it. Let me let me try and, and rephrase the question then for you. Uh, but ho- as for favorites, you know, it's funny. I've ne- I've never really thought of it. Uh, I, uh, you know, I enjoyed dealing with a lot of people. It seems, uh, you know, I, there was never a better guy to deal with than uh, Jack Nicklaus. There was never a better guy to deal with than Arnold Palmer. You know, uh, people like that just uh, just seemed to, you know, a lot of golfers were, were, uh, were, were very good to deal with. A lot of Olympic athletes were good to deal with, and yet a lot of them lived in cocoons and were terrified of, of you know people like me like uh, media people you know so i don't know i never really thought about uh, in terms of a favorite person to cover I, my uh you know my idea was always the same when i when i had to when i went out that day to work i i had to find what the story was and i had to write the story whether it was good bad or or indifferent you know you, you had to come up with the story so uh I never, I never looked at it as, oh, I hate dealing with this guy or I like dealing with that guy. It's just, you know, what's the story going to be today? 
David, just want to forewarn you, we have in, uh, we have in studio with us this morning, who helps us out every now and then, Lou Franceschetti, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf. I'm sure you remember him fondly. Sure. But, uh, Lou, I know you wanted to, to uh, get in a question for Dave, so uh, give, it a sh- give it a shot. Hey, Dave, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. I don't know whether you're going to like me, and I'm not leaving any time soon. So uh, <laughs> I was born and raised in this city. Um, is there a more hated, despised uh, drama queen player in Major League Baseball in Jose Batista right now? Oh, no. No, it, uh, the, the players, uh, I think a lot of players don't like him. I think he's respected, but uh, I, I think he's a very, very much disliked player. I know that uh, Several major leaguers uh, were high five on Odor after he socked him in the jaw. <laughs> well, well I, I was one of the guys that was going to buy that $99 picture that uh, in Texas to, to donate. But is, is he? Is there a problem in that locker room with him being how he is, or is it everything is pretty much hush hush right now? And are they really happy that they can't wait till the end of the year, whether they win the World Series or not, that he gets out of town? Uh, well, as for what's inside the locker room, I I don't know if he's uh, he's a problem or if there is one. It might just be one of those teams with a lot of strong personalities, and uh, and they don't uh, you know it doesn't always they don't always clash too smoothly. He uh, you know it's not a it's not a, a real friendly kind of locker room beyond the manager. The manager is. Uh, is a very easy-going, laid-back guy, and uh, and there's some real prickly personalities in that locker room, and they have this uh, this kind of a attitude that uh, it seems to me that they have this attitude that they kind of invented everything, you know. And uh, I mean, they have troubles with several teams, and you know, it's always somebody else's fault. It's never their fault. Um, and a lot of that, I think, starts with Batista. You know, he's never seen a pitch that uh, that he thought would could possibly be called strike. You know, things like that. And I think that that wears down other other players, and it wears down umpires, and I, sometimes it wears down his own teammates. I'm sure, but uh, none of them will ever say that for the record. Dave, there was a, a story that you uh, uh, put out there on 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 primetime sports one time, and I, I'm still laughing about it. I want you to tell the listeners about uh, the six uh, the six million dollar the million dollar man, man. Ted DiBiase, <laughs> and you having a uh, little discussion oh, in the yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah, that's that, a great yeah. story. You know, the wrestling was wrestling was uh, pro wrestling was always kind of a it was on the nether regions of sports. You know, nobody really paid attention to it, but people were sometimes amused by it, and uh, <laughs> and we used to we used to run. Uh, kind of results from the wrestling and and uh, and people would write uh, wrestling columns things like that so so i was aware of wrestling but i you know i it was kind of just something you laughed at and and tolerated it's kind of like donald trump you know you you know how ridiculous it is but you you, you kind of laugh at it and so one night in new york we're sitting there and uh, uh, after a ball game and uh it's late at night and uh a little a little bar called PJ Clark's is one of my favorites. They got a little dining room at the back, so we're we're back getting a cheeseburger or something late one night. And lo and behold, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, is sitting at the next table, <laughs> and it's he's about a foot away. You know, these tables are close together, and he's sitting there with some young lady, and that's fine. So we're kind of ignoring him, 
And uh, myself and the guy I was with, uh, one of the other baseball writers, we were smoking in those days. This is around 30 years ago. And uh, so DBS, he sees our cigarettes there, and he leans over and says, Say, uh, could I bum a cigarette? I said, Oh, no, go ahead. Here, give him a cigarette, and blah, blah, blah. So five minutes later, he leans over and says, do you mind if my girlfriend has a cigarette? I know. What the hell? Go ahead. Have a cigarette. You know, so we give her one and we're carrying on and having a drink and chatting among ourselves. And about 10 minutes later, Ted leans over and says, listen, do you mind if I take another cigarette? And I just, I said, you know, I got a couple of drinks in my said, For Christ's sake, you're the million dollar man by your own. <laughs> Uh, well, this, of course, this is not a, you know, this is not, you know, these guys are brain dead, addled <laughs> monsters, you know, you're kind of, and I'm thinking, did I just say this to the, you know, to uh, the million dollar man, like this, this guy will pinch my head off, <laughs> but uh, kind of nothing came of it, you know, a great story. gave him one and, uh, and let Ted go, but... Uh, yeah, we're talking. That was a great story, Dave. You're talking to Dave Perkins, of course, who former Toronto Star sports columnist, got a great new book out, "Fun and Games: My Forty Years Writing Sports." We actually had Ted DiBiase on the show about a year ago, and we 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 told him a million bucks isn't worth that much as much as it used to. So we called him. We're now calling him the billion dollar man. Uh, we got a little bit of a chuckle out of him, and interestingly enough, he's he's a minister now, down in Louisiana or someplace in the southern states. Dave. Uh, Going back to your book, and uh, you've been in the business a long time, and um, when you started in the 70s at the, at the Globe and then, I guess, over to the Star, I almost call it the, uh, the golden age of uh, certainly uh, of maybe sports writing. You had some incredible, incredible gentlemen that, um, that, that were working the rooms back when you started, guys like Milt Dunnell and Frank yep. Orr and Jim Proudfoot and Trent Frain and Scott Young and Jim Coleman. Um, Absolutely, yeah. They're just uh, you know legendary, uh, legendary guys, and and the you know the 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 sporting landscape wasn't as crowded then. You know the 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 Leafs were the big one, and the Argonauts were kind of number two, and the and the racetrack was the, was the third biggest P, the horse track, and uh, you know and things gradually changed. You know, baseball came back. Uh, you know, after leave, after 13 year absence, and uh, and they got big, and then you know, uh, eventually basketball showed up, and and you know, soccer finally finally caught on after about 10 tries, and uh, you know, things changed. Uh, you know, golf got big, things like that. So uh, it became a a different world. You didn't, you know, the old days, you you knew there. Everybody was going to be at the uh, Leaf game Saturday, and everybody was going to be at the Argo game, whenever it was, and everybody was going to be at the big races and everything. But now it's it's spread out a little a little bit more. You wouldn't see the same, you know, the same people at the same places. But uh, but you're right. When I broke in, there was there were a lot of giants. You know, I I broke in uh, the Globe Mail. Scott Young was was writing hockey. You know, uh, Neil Young's father. He. And Beddoes was a columnist, and and there there was so much you know newspaper talent in those days, and guys who had been around for a long time, and and young people just breaking in, and, uh, and then I went to the Star, and you know I mean there was Milt Donald who who covered his first World Series in 1940, you know it's a, it's a it's a link to uh, to history. 
Dave, uh, you brought up horse racing, which is, uh, I know that uh, you enjoy it. Uh, The the Preakness was on yesterday, and I didn't hear anything about it, anything on the sports, anything on the news. You didn't hear anything about it, but back in our... The Breeders, not the the Preakness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Breeders was on yesterday, I think, right? Yeah. 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 The Canadian uh, breeder stakes. Yeah, yeah, certainly the change in horse racing. That's 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 it, been in our lifetimes. Been it's it's been huge. What happened? It it fell off the map. But like I say, all these other sports showed up, and and racing kind of uh, horse racing just kind of disappeared. It, you know, I I used to I said ten years ago I said there's there's more guys in the in the sports media business who've been to Lamar's class than have been to Woodbine. <laughs> It it uh, is it's just you know everybody cut it we all cut our teeth at the track and then that just stopped after a while and now racing is you know it's a niche sport way down the list which is kind of unfortunate because the best uh, a lot of the best stories were at the racetrack and a lot of the best people were at the racetrack you know these were these were people who knew kind of how to lose you know if they if they won one out of every five races they were big stars and. Uh, and they knew that losing wasn't the end of the world. It's not like that with football or hockey or baseball. You know, it's win-win-win and angst-driven and everything. But racetrack was a little more laid back that way. Naz and I certainly spent a few uh, a few afternoons and evenings at Greenwood and Woodbine and Flamborough and Cayuga in the old days. So uh, sure. certainly yeah, we dropped, uh, dropped a few dollars there. Uh, we've got a few minutes left, Dave, and... Uh, uh, it, it is uh, it is the hundredth anniversary centennial season of the Toronto Maple Leafs coming up, and you've done a bit of hockey over the years, and uh, perhaps not as much as some of the other sports. But uh, one of the debates that's circulating in uh, in hockey circles in Toronto, and uh, we love we love you to chime in on it, and we we've talked about it on the air here a few times, and uh, the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf ever. Your 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 opinion. Well, I was, you know, I'm of the age when, when I can remember when the Maple Leafs won Stanley Cups. This, of course, makes me a, a, a huge minority in Canada. But uh, it makes you, you know, the I, perfect listener for Zoomer Radio, Dave. You're uh, <laughs> you're our exact demographic, my friend. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they, you know, so I always thought, uh, you know, Keon was a, was a guy. I mean, he's the guy I grew up with uh, when I was a kid. He was the he, he was kind of the guy who did everything. He he was you know very much a, a you know a two way player who who uh, you know he had a presence and uh, and uh, such a beautiful skater and just a little guy too of course. But uh, he was I would kind of say him. I you know a name that never gets mentioned is uh, because he was so great elsewhere. It was Red Kelly who. You know, he was a part of all those teams, and and you know, we we always forget the thing about Kelly is he was the best, one of the top top defensemen in the NHL, and he came to Toronto and they converted him into a center, and uh, you know that absolutely would not happen today if you think about it. It it, it would never happen. They'd never take one of the top handful of defensemen in the league and and move him up to center. And I once asked Kelly about that. I said, why? Why in hell would Imlac do that? Punch Imlac do that for you? And he said, "Well, he said the Stanley Cup every year is going to run through Montreal, and I need somebody to check Belleville." Dave, unfortunately, so, uh, 
I'm, uh, I'm my producers, our producers telling us we uh, quite frankly got to get off the air. And I hate, oh. I hate to cut you off in mid-sentence. I really do. These are fascinating stories. Uh, we thank you so much for, for sharing those stories with us. And to all our listeners, Dave Perkins, Fun and Games, my 40 years writing s- sports. It's a fascinating book. It's a time travel through 40 years of sports. And uh, pick it up. You'll certainly enjoy it. Dave, I can simply say have a great Thanksgiving Day weekend. And thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate yeah, it. Dave, great you job too, on the book. You. Great job on the book. Thank Keep you. well. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. That, of course, was uh, Dave Perkins and some fabulous stories. Naz, uh, 10, 20 seconds left. I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you finish it off. Well, we got uh, the Blue Jays tonight. And uh, I think they're going to win it three games to nothing, and it's going to be a sweep. Louie, five seconds. you got to be kidding. <laughs> Thanks. It's been a great week for the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Hopefully next week we'll be back here celebrating the Jays in the next series. To all our listeners, enjoy the rest of the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Be safe. Travel safely. Have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.